You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. Welcome to It's My Money. It's My Money is brought to you by Brenters Wealth. And Brenters Wealth is South Africa's top boutique wealth manager. With me today from Brenters Wealth is Aaron Ruttenberg. Now, it's June the 13th, Aaron, and um, you've sent me a nice piece penned from the heart and from the head. It says, things I've learned in 2023 thus far. So it's almost like a half yearly review, I suppose. I didn't think of it like that. Good afternoon, Lindsay, and good afternoon to your listeners. Thank I appreciate you. it. I've learned a lot this year, and one thing about 2023 for me in terms of the global stock market is that it's been the exact opposite of 2022 and what most investors had expected. I mean, you know, the market would be going down. So I wanted to write something you know, that would go through um, things and would continue to reinforce my belief that stock markets you know, can't be timed and it's a place where wealth is transferred from the impatient to the patient. Good. And uh, talking about uh, from the impatient to the patient, tech stocks don't need lower rates to go up. Now, they had a torrid time last year, certainly big tech did, and um, there was all sorts of job cuts and everything. But suddenly, uh, tech stocks are in vogue again. And I notice uh, here we are June the 13th. On June the 12th, Apple went to a new all-time record high. So they're back in fashion. Exactly. Look, I think Apple have also come out with certain you know products they've got their you know new technology and whatnot that you can utilize besides for you know they hadn't had a a new piece of technology since the apple watch so 10 years later around um they have their vr headset and um you know despite the the price of that headset um you know this is the new wave of technology and innovation going forward just like we saw with the internet so it's going to be interesting and look, you're right, tech stocks got crushed with the NASDAQ 100, the NASDAQ 100 falling more than 30% in 2022. Um, now it's up about 27, 28% in dollar terms year to date. You know, many people latched onto the theory, and that's my first point. Tech stocks don't need lower rates to go up. That's one thing I've learned. Many people, you know, latched onto that theory where lower rates are only a play for growth and long duration assets. But in 2010s, and the early 2020s, rates were on the floor and tech stocks went bananas. So it was it seemed apparent that there was an inverse relationship. Um, when rates were lower, tech stocks would do well. And when rates were higher, tech stocks would do poorly. However, this year, the Fed has now taken rates over 5% and could continue raising rates maybe one more time, maybe two more times. Um, we'll see tomorrow. Um, meanwhile, the NASDAQ 100 is up more than 30%, like I've said. So does this mean easy money had nothing to do with tech stock gains? I wouldn't go that far. Low rates certainly helped long-duration assets, but low rates didn't do it alone. Apple increased. I mean, it didn't help Apple increasing its sales from $170 billion to nearly $400 billion in 10 years. Low rates have nothing to do with AI speculation currently taking place with NVIDIA shares. Interest rates are an important variable when it comes to the market and the economy. But rates don't always tell the whole story when it comes to people and their money. So, you know, tech stocks were fundamental, play on innovations. 
and they've become an integral part of our lives going forward, no matter what the interest rate is. Yeah, and, and Apple, as I saw an extraordinary comment uh, on Bloomberg, I think, this morning. And uh, we must reiterate, the US Federal Reserve uh, starts its meeting on June the 13th, the day of this pre-recorded podcast, concludes tomorrow evening. And uh, the feeling is inflation is going to have eased, not too significantly, but eased enough to maybe put the, uh, the rate hiking cycle on pause, maybe, or a hint at it anyway. And the other extraordinary thing I saw was that um, people said, well, the reason Apple's doing this, this, um, this new all-time high, is because people are now considering it as a defensive stock. It's a tech stock, and it used to be a, a growth stock. Now it's defensive, which I found extraordinary. But um, I suppose people have got a point. Right. The stock market still yeah. likes disinflation. Yes, stock markets don't like inflation. So the, contra- the, uh, the antithesis of inflation must be, must be bad for the stock market. Exactly. And over the last 94 years, and this is point number two, inflation in the USA has been higher from one year to the next 50 times. And it's been lower from one year to the next 44 times. So on average, the stock market has had much better returns in a year when inflation is lower than when it's higher. And that's what we've currently been speaking about over the last few years. you know. But since the late 1920s, the average annualized return of the S&P 500 when inflation is higher year after year is 5.5%. And over the same period, the average return when inflation is lower year after year is 14.3%. Hmm. So this doesn't always work, just like interest rates and tech stocks. No market relationship is set in stone, but it looks like inflation is heading lower, um, and that's probably a good thing for the stock market if that trend continues. Yes, I hope so. And I think the, the stock market is already starting to discount a lower rate. Whether they go lower in the next two to three months, we don't know. But the market is definitely looking forward to lower rates and hence uh, some, some good performances recently. Point number three, Aaron, is the economy is more resilient than anyone thought. Um, yeah, it, it is. I mean, the, you've got the ISM numbers in the States still mired below 50, and also jobless claims are, are starting to rise, which is always an indicator of a potential uh, recession. But yeah, it's bowling along. Not too bad in the States. Exactly. Look, you could probably say the same thing about betting against the US consumer. US consumers love spending money. The pandemic seems to have accelerated that desire. I do share a chart on that um, and a couple of things. And a lot of it has to do with inflation, but you know, even on a real basis, the amount of money we've seen being spent um, is well above the previous trend. Um, there were plenty of people who assumed the economy was addicted to 0% interest rates. It felt like the Fed couldn't possibly raise rates this high, this fast even, without breaking something. And a lot of people thought they were, you know, already, we were already in a recession in 2021 and in 2022. There were headlines that would say, Wall Street says a recession is coming, consumers say it's already here, um, and that shoppers are getting squeezed. Maybe this works on a really long lag, which is to your point, you know, we are starting to see certain things crack. Fine. The consumer might still be spending, like I've said, and, you know, jobless claims may be still going up. But color me as surprises the next person when it comes to the resiliency of the U.S. economy, which is what I am saying. Yeah. well as the stock market. It's not the most representative example, but a friend of mine who's a commentator on this show is currently in Boston and New York, and he said, the place is booming. 
I mean, you know, you might go to the south, you might go, as I said to him, you might go down to Alabama and, or Arkansas or somewhere like that, you might see a different story. But uh, certainly in those very high wealthy uh, urban centres, the American consumer is alive and well and kicking. I assume so. And the fact of the matter is that if that's like that in a first world developed country and exceptionally wealthy place like New York, up at East Side or whatnot, if I go to Santon in Joburg, I've seen so many people there and I would have thought I would see so many such less people based on what we're going through yes. um, here back at home with, um, you know, load shedding and the, the South African Reserve Bank saying that, you know, it's going to affect our GDP by 2% per annum and it has affected it. One would think with the higher inflation, higher interest rates, we'd see less consumers, but I've seen a lot of consumers. So it is pretty interesting. It really is. Uh, point number four, high rates and inflation don't guarantee poor stock market returns. So what you're saying is that if you get into the right sector of the stock market, there's always going to be some stocks that are resilient, no matter what the economic conditions. Exactly. I mean, you know, at one point, Meta, previously Facebook was a growth stock. Then obviously after the whole 2022 um, after 2022 played out, it became a value stock. It actually formed part of the value sector. So there are always, what I learned is there are always a lot of market participants and econo economists who think we, you know, we could be in a new regime of higher rates and higher inflation. And that's possible, and it's a possibility worth considering. Many of the same people assume this would be a bad thing for markets, especially with inflation being higher in rates. And after all, the past 40 years of financial market returns are a product of disinflation and falling rates. But when I looked at two certain scenarios, I looked at you know the US stock market over a 40-year period of rising inflation and interest rates, and I looked at a 40-year period of falling inflation and interest rates. So in the first one, with the 40-year period from 1940 to 1979, with rising inf inflation and rising interest rates, um, the U.S. stock market at 10.3% per year hmm. per annum. That's rising interest rates. The same, you know, when 1980 to 2019, a more recent situation with falling interest rates, quantitative easing, if you may, part of that um, portion towards the end, 11.7% per year. So it's a 1% difference. So those results are surprising to me. You know, things were better, yes, when inflation was lower and interest rates were lower, but not as much as one would think. And that's what I learned. And I don't know if we're entering a new regime now of high interest rates and inflation, but if we are, it doesn't necessarily mean the stock market is doomed. No, it really doesn't. And that's been proved um, in the last year and a half or so. Okay, point number five, things generally work out most of the time. That's uh, Aaron the Optimist speaking there. Exactly. Look, I must admit, I get some of my optimism from Somebody you may know, Simon Brown. Yes. Um, you know, when Simon thinks things are falling apart, then I'll really worry. He's really, you know, we all have financial, all of us financial wealth planners or wealth managers might be very much, you know, helping our clients, you know, keep calm and managing a lot of money, you know, but also we human beings. You know, I feel like I get certain parts. I also need to read and listen and, you know, keep my cool and not panic too often. Sometimes, you know, he helps me with that. And, you know, I tweeted during the weekend of the Silicon Valley banking crisis when we still didn't know if more bank runs were, were going to come the following Monday. Um, I said things generally work out most of the time. Bad stuff does happen. The world can be a cruel place. 
But most of the time, the world doesn't end. And if it does, your portfolio is not going to matter. This is why I wasn't too concerned about the debt ceiling discussions. Sure, it would have led to a disaster and it may someday, if a crazy politician takes things too far. I just don't see the need to default to a pessimistic view of the world just because things aren't perfect all the time. I know there'll be another crisis in the future. We'll have a recession. The stock market will crash. Things will look bleak. Things don't always work out, but most of the time they do. And that will continue to be my default stance. And that's why I wrote in my previous article, and I said to you in our last podcast, that you know, the longer you remain invested, the better your odds are with you, as opposed to gambling, where the longer you gamble, or the longer you remain in the casino, the worse your odds. So what's the point of investing in the first place if you don't think things are going to be better in the future? Exactly. And I bet there's quite a few people out there that have tried to outthink the market and outthink other market participants and have tried to time the market. In other words, getting out and saying, right, we've got this recession coming, so we're going to get a big uh, you know, 15 20% uh, sell-off. Well, maybe there still will be, but uh, it's time in the market rather than timing the market. That's a corny old phrase, but it's so true, Aaron. Exactly. If I was a short-term investor with a short-term goal or a very worried person that couldn't sleep at night, I'd surely go for the 12-odd percent bond yields we're getting here or you know, keep my investments very conservative. Um, but if you're a long-term investor, you need to pay the price of certain painful periods in order to reap the rewards. Very good. Well summarized, uh, Aaron. Thank you very much. Keep those sort of articles going because I understand them. That's the sort of article I can understand and relate to. Aaron Ruttenberg is from Brenthurst Wealth and that was It's My Money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company.